Welcome, adventurers. The changeling Rot is working at some task set to him by his master. But what is their end game? Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon Alarian's feet carried him at a brisk pace down the main street toward the lake. Soul sank in the western sky, its light dancing across the calm water. The street was not over busy, not that it ever was. Solvara was a place for those of means to escape and luxuriate, and most had found a place to pause for their long and elegant evening meals. Despite the time of day, a carriage or two did pass as the young wizard made his way. A few persons on foot strolled through the wide streets. Alarion smiled a twitchy smile or bobbed a quick nod at those that caught his eye. He moved along with purpose, the resilium lie just ahead. He could have had his own carriage drop him off at the bottom of the wide steps that led up to the building. But the truth of it was that even the small rattle and sway of the carriage made him sick. Even in the little time it took to travel from the estate to town, so his ride waited at the top of the hill, as it always did, while Alarion made his way on foot. Reaching the steps, he didn't pause but scurried up. Most people of the Barata province would stop at the base of those majestic stairs and admire the building that resided at their top. Graceful vine-covered arches stood before a trellised veranda. Carved columns of purple-hued marble stood between each arch, depicting scenes of many great historical events. Centered before the building, in a space between the top of the stairs and the arches, was a masterfully crafted bronze statue depicting Roselia, her left hand falling to lie upon the head of a wolf which stood beside her, her right holding a lantern aloft, to cast the light of her knowledge on any who would call upon her. Alarion moved past the statue without so much as a glance, he had resided in Solvara since just before his tenth birthday, when he had become a ward of his aunt, and the grandeur and decadence of the town had long since lost its shine in his eyes. It was what was inside the building that Alarion had come for. Maybe the thing that Alarion cared for most. Books. It wasn't as though the Dea del Fiori estate lacked for books. In fact, the libraries within any one of the houses of the Vetdoma most likely totaled more than the sum of any one village within the province. But in the twelve-plus years Alarion had resided at the estate, he had read nearly every book in the family's collection. It was possible to borrow books from other estates, but that required letters to be written, and appointments to be made, and official visits, and requests, and favors for the lending and promises of when they might be returned, and more letters and more visits were required for that. And it was ever so tedious. In the time it took to acquire the permission to borrow one book, Alarion could just as easily come here, to the Resilium, and read twelve. It was frowned upon by some of the houses, to dawdle in public, like a commoner reading books you neither owned or commissioned but the young wizard was blind to such social nuances. 
he pushed his way through wide double doors covered in copper relief. Stepping in, he stopped a moment in the grand tiled foyer. This entryway ran the length of the building and stood eight steps above the main room. The shelves in the middle of the building were no taller than two paces, so you could see straight through to the double-height glass windows that faced out over the lake, bathing the interior with natural light. Even after twelve years, this view was one that Alarian still appreciated. Soul's fading light sparkled on the water, and the wondrous building of books before him took on a magenta hue. Lanterns would be lit in another bell or so. He breathed in deeply, the smell of old parchment and oiled leather that bound the books. It was his favorite smell. He rubbed his hands before him in anticipation, as a raccoon washing an apple. At this hour, the resilium was nearly empty. His eyes darted about the place. The keeper and one of her assistants moved slowly through the shelves, replacing books that had been viewed during the day. On the far side, near the windows, two people sat side by side in large overstuffed leather chairs, sipping from fancy glasses and holding a conversation in low tones, eyes cast out over the beautiful view. Only one other occupied the resilium, a tall, dark-skinned man with a touch of gray at his temples. He was hunkered over a book, a stack of three more lay near him, just to his left, on the dark brown table. A big breath preceded Alarion's resumption of his hurried pace, down the stairs, into the stacks, and a hard right at the bottom. Twenty paces brought him to a counter with a sturdy base of dark oak, and a top made of the same purple-hued marble that made up the columns out front. A small silver bell sat atop the counter next to a sign carved in relief into the countertop itself. If this counter is unattended, please ring the bell and someone will be with you presently. Alarion didn't ring the bell. He had at first, but after all these years and his thousands of trips to the resilium, the attendants had become vexed at seeing him again. So at some point he had stopped ringing it, waiting instead on the keepers to notice him and come at their own leisure. When he had begun that practice, their irritation had lessened, and he had begun to form relationships with the keeper and her staff, some he might even call friends. Alarion leaned on the counter, drumming his fingers quietly. He then turned on one elbow, looking again out to the large windows that faced the lake, then back to the counter. He rose up on his toes to peer behind, seeing if there might by some miracle, be some title that he did not recognize, waiting to be catalogued and shelved. No such luck. He turned again back toward the main room, looking for any indication he had been noticed. He could see none. What he did see was the man who he had spotted reading earlier, getting up from his table, a book still in his hands. The man began to make his way toward the counter. He read as he walked, looking up only occasionally to make sure he did not bump into anything. It was less than a bar before the man stood next to him at the counter, head still bowed, eyes moving along the pages. Alarion fidgeted, looking for an attendant. Unconsciously, he placed his hand again on the counter, drumming his fingers. Ten beats passed, and then Alarion jumped in surprise as the man next to him cleared his throat. Gathering himself from his fright, Alarion looked up, to see though the man still held the book in both his hands, he was now looking at him 
Are you going to ring the bell? The face smiled, dark eyes curious. Oh, no, Valerian chittered. I, uh, have rung the bell one too many times in the past, and so now I just wait. The man raised his eyebrows, an unsure smile touching his lips, as if he were waiting for the rest of the story or the punchline to the joke. But Valerian just looked back, a quick smile flashing on his face before he turned his head to look back into the resilium. Another clearing of the throat brought his eyes back. The man had closed the book and tucked it under one arm. He considered Alarian with a look of confusion. Well, if you are not the bell's god, would you consider stepping aside so that I might ring it? Alarian flushed red, stepping back in embarrassment. No, no, but of course, he said with a ridiculous half-bow, gesturing to the bell. The man's eyes squinted, unsure of what to make of Alarian, and then he let out a chuckle as he reached for the bell, shaking it twice neatly the fine, high-pitched ring dispersing into the room. The sound of approaching footsteps were soon heard. Headkeeper Vasella herself came to the counter, eyes passing over the man, and then Alarian, then back to the man. May I help you, sir? She asked in a tone that somehow conveyed an apology for Alarian's presence. Smiling, the tall man held out a hand, palm up toward the young man. Please. This gentleman was here before me. Alarian flushed a deeper red. No, no, please. I am in no rush, and I am here all the time. I insist. A twitchy smile and another shallow bow. Kind of you, but I would not hear of it. Please tell this fine woman of your need. Alarian wasn't sure, but it almost seemed as if this man enjoyed his discomfort, or found it amusing at the least. Seeing that the keeper was staring, Lips pursed at him as well. Alarian decided the fastest way out of this was to accept the man's offer. Turning to Keeper Vasella, he said, Yes, hello, Vasella. I was just checking to see if the book on the Esper Guides has arrived from Porgin yet. I was away most of the morning, Master Alarian. I have not had time to sort the day's post. I would have to go check. She turned to the tall man. It would take a couple of bars. The question was directed at the stranger and clearly indicated she would ignore the request in favor of helping him. Instead, the tall man nodded in assent. By all means, help our young scholar out. I am content to wait. Vasella considered them both one last time, and then with a smile at the tall man, she said, I shall return shortly. The dark-skinned man placed the book he had been holding upon the counter, eyes still cast upon Alarian. The Esper guides, he inquired, an interesting line of study. A fascinating group as well, with an odd history, almost as odd as the Creus Deon and Dare. Alarian's shifting eyes moved to study the man's face, to see if he was making fun of him. If he was, he hid it well. The Creus Deon and Dare, he asked in a dubious tone. Surely you are not comparing the Esper Guides, an organization with a long and storied history, to a fictional group discussed in folk tales and children's stories. The man considered him a moment, as if Alarian's disbelief made him unworthy of further discussion. But either out of boredom or some other motive, the man spoke at last. The Creus Deon and Dare 
are not fictional. A pause to let the word sink in was accompanied by a searching look. Alarian could tell the man believed what he said. No, in fact, they were quite real. Writings, histories of them have been manipulated or even destroyed. This sounded of madness. Why would that be? Who would care to wipe out the history of an order of druids? The man stepped closer, eyes sparkling with enthusiasm. But that is just it, you see. That is what makes them so interesting. That is the mystery. Why would someone go to all these lengths to muddle their history? What secrets lie hidden? It seemed far-fetched, but even the possibility of a puzzle to be solved appealed to Alarion. And how can you know this? Do you have any proof of this grand cover-up? The man had leaned in now, his excitement contagious. Ah, but it is all in the way you go about the search, isn't it? What isn't there is as telling as what is. One might find a hole in the pitch black, be nearly certain of its existence. But how? One must carefully crawl on hands and knees, feeling out the edge. In that way, the existence of the hole is known not by what makes it up, but where what surrounds it stops. Valerian pondered this for a moment, and then asked, And this hole in history, you have found it? After all these years, none would think to look after a folk tale, and so the hole remains hidden. But as soon as you presume the Cries de Anadir are real, if you begin to look, examine the history, what is there and what is not, it is quite glaring. The man finished by placing a hand on the book he had sat upon the counter. Even here, amongst the limited records of the Resilium, I can show you things I have discovered. Should you be interested? A mystery, rooted in writings, with a lack thereof? Of course he was interested. Alarion clenched his hands before him, casting a glance to see if the keeper would return soon, and then back to the man. You sound a knowledgeable and learned person. I would welcome the opportunity to review and discuss your findings. The man smiled. Alarion extended his hand. Alarion. Alarion of the Dea del Fiore house. The tall man's eyes went wide a moment, and instead of accepting the offered hand, he placed his hands tightly to his side and gave a deep bow. An honor to meet one of the Vetoma. Alarion flushed again in embarrassment, pushing his hand further out to be shaken. Please, none of that. Here we are but two people in a house of learning. We both are scholars, are we not? Make no more of the accident of my birth. I certainly do not. Standing back to his full height, and after a beat, the man clasped Alarion's hand in both of his. Well said and well met. Alarion, I am Betwimri, Betwimri Usa. Keeper Vasella was quite surprised to return to an empty counter. She cast her vision about the resilium. There they were, back at the table where the tall man, with gray at his temples, had spent most of the day. Alarion and the man were both hunkered over a book, the tall one pointing to a place on a page, waiting for Alarion to read, and then excitedly whispering. A smile came to Vasella's face. Good. Maybe the boy had finally made a friend.
Rot closed the door to his room, locking it. He went to the window that looked over Shore Street and the lake itself. The clouds were heavy tonight. Below, the street lanterns created little islands of light. Rot watched a while. Nothing moved. He drew the curtains tightly shut, and in the darkness of his room made his way to the chest at the foot of the bed. The master's message should come soon. He turned away from the bed and sat upon the chest, facing the wall. As he sat in the darkness, he relaxed. Dark curly hair retracted into his head. The skin around his face grew tight about his skull, eyes shifting from dark brown to a solid golden yellow hue, pupils and whites vanishing. Once dark skin seemed to take on a bruised tint, and then shifted and settled into a tone of bluish gray. He sat in the darkness, not moving, not thinking, just breathing. Though he could hold the form of others at will for as long as he wished, he relished these small moments where he held no form at all, appeared as he truly was. Even better still, in this moment, no one was within twenty paces of him, and so there were no whispers of thoughts no warmth of emotion of any other than his own. Nothing but dark and silence. A quarter bell passed in this manner before the master spoke in his mind. Tell me what progress. Have you confirmed the child's identity? Rot smiled in the dark, sending his thoughts and returned. Confirmed. The orphan is in the boy's lineage. Met boy today, planted seeds of curiosity about Creus de Onander. Lunch with Comatessa de del Fiore tomorrow. There was a pause, and then the voice again. There must be no doubt in this. Obtain a sample of his blood. Continue to foster the seeds. He must find what is hidden. It will be as you say, Master, the changeling sent. And then all was silent in the room again. All was silent in his mind. Something in Alarian's lineage makes him unique. Something that connects him to the Cries de there. Stay tuned next week for the conclusion of Dance of the Marionettes. people just checking in here uh the end of the next episode i just wanted to give you a heads up if you were like me and like maps really matter to you and it's easier to understand stories when there's maps involved i did want to point out that there is in fact a map of the entire barata province on my patreon site uh so if you go to www.patreon.com uh, forward slash speaking stone studio and kind of poke through the posts there is a post that has a complete map of the barata province so you can follow along see where the characters have been and where they're going 
and that's that uh, means a lot to me. So if you're that way as well, check it out. It's cool. Someday it'll move over to my website as well, but uh, I'm wearing all the hats here, uh, recording, writing, uh, and website maintenance. So <laughs> no guaranteed date when that'll be, but it will be at some point. Anyway, map, Patreon site, check it out.